Hey there, Freedom Fighters. Alexander, are you nervous? Um, no, no, no. You made me call. That's you okay. Seem, you seem okay, but also I feel like at times I make you a little nervous too. Yeah, that's okay. Uh, as we speak, I'll, I'll, be, I'll, be, I'll be more calm. I feel like at some point you, you discovered your, uh, your swagger recently. Is that fair to say? Swagger? Swagger. Like you've got confidence. You've got this sense of self now. You're out there talking on the internet about how people need to build a reputation for on paper, but in person you don't. No, in person too, but like on air. Um, I've, I've almost never done it. I did like uh, one, one other podcast and uh, it's, like, it's like I'm talking in, in a room with like 200 people or something. <laughs> I think oh, better be two, more than 200 people. I think uh, in order to get your team to feel comfortable with this, I had to tell them that we have a producer that will talk to you before you'll, you'll get some Actually, help. Actually, she helped a lot. So I, I talked through my story a little bit. So it was very, very helpful. Yeah, I love it. I love that you did that. The voice that you're all listening to is Alexander Volodarsky. He is the founder of Lemon.io. It's it's a managed marketplace of vetted offshore developers. Basically, if you're looking to hire a developer, you go to them, they help you find the right match for your company. They make sure the person's not some kind of a jerk who's gonna run away with your code or not follow up with uh, the work that they say that they're gonna do. That's his business. The thing that I think is interesting about Alexander is um, he's building in public. He's getting a little bit mouthy in social media, opinionated. He's becoming this interesting person to pay attention to. It's got to be working for his uh, for his business and it's starting to send traffic over to him. He's publicly telling everybody what his goal is for revenue. What's the what's the revenue goal, Alexander? Um, our revenue goal for um, twenty uh, twenty one is um, ten million in in GMV. So What's, last year, in, what does that mean? G, GMV is a gross marginal value. Uh, it's something that you collect from from clients before so you pass it on to your developers. It's not your share. That we we collect all the payments from clients and send the majority to the to the developer. And revenue is a fee that we are earning. And you've got this graph on your Twitter profile that shows us the bar chart that shows us how close you are to it. How how close are you right now? We're recording at the end of March. So we just hit one million. Um, we just hit one, one million something today um, in eighty three days. Last year we did first million in one hundred sixty four days or something like that. Mm -hmm. So we are um, much faster than last last year. Last year in 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 the whole year we did uh, two point seven million. So we're trying almost four acts this year. You get customers from all these tweets where you get opinionated about the importance of building a reputation, where you talk openly about your revenue, or is this just a fun thing that you do? Uh, first of all, it's a lot of fun, uh, but uh, I get a lot of inbound from, from building public, both email. I do also a newsletter and mm -hmm. Twitter and um Funny thing that we I don't I don't want to build more supply right now because we uh, we have more problems with uh I'm sorry I, I don't want to build more demand right now because we have more problems with supply uh, we're trying to scale it build our you know build a, a a larger team and do a little more marketing on the supply side but still we get a lot of inbound uh, I do intros like few in I just before this injury I did three intros to my sales team people who reach out to me through Twitter or LinkedIn and. Uh, Every day, like some investor, you know, someone who wants to build partnerships or a person who was looking for an engineer reaches out from uh, from um, Twitter. And that's amazing. I, I like I have very, very little following. 
So I, I can only imagine, you know, people who have have like dozens of, of, of thousands of, of followers and, you know. Um, yeah, what do you those, have, like 10,000 people who are following you, I think, on Twitter. Am I right? Somewhere around there. Uh, me? I yeah. think. No, it's uh, 3,500. Oh, 3,500, not even 10,000. Not, not even 5,000. Wow, but man, for the level of like attention that you're getting, it's impressive. It's right. And I, I can only imagine what happens like when I 10X my, my following. For every million dollars in uh, gross sales that you get on the marketplace, how much goes to your company, to Lemon.io? Um, our take rate is... Uh, um, is around like 20 to 25%. Okay. And my co-founder were going to kill me that I told it, uh, said it on air. We were kind of a little bit, we're trying to be very transparent with our clients, but it's very hard to be transparent in this way because um, the majority of our competitors, they take from 60, from 40 to 60% of take rate. And they are not transparent about this. But we um, take less. But if we start talking that we take 25%, because the rest of the market is not transparent and no one knows like what is the rest of the market taking, it can actually bite us. It's actually not that much money to run your business on at this scale, right? Because out of every million dollars, you get what, $200,000 that you need to pay yourself, pay your team, am I right? Yes, yes. And salaries is more expensive, uh, is, 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 a, is the biggest expense. And we're not paying ourselves even that much, but um, vetting engineers is very expensive, mm -hmm. especially at scale. It's very expensive. All right, I want to For find example, out about another company. Another company whose competitor, uh, they have been in the market like just a year and a half or something or two years. So they've raised around fifty million dollars um, to do that, and they fifty-eight still, million dollars just for the vetting process. They, no, I think something uh, under 50 million to do that. Yeah. I mean, no secret. I had TopTal as a sponsor. Their vetting, I, I don't know if that's what you're talking about. Their vetting was insane. They wouldn't let me talk about it. I had them record something with me about their vetting process. They said before, they said, we don't want to do it. I said, I promise, let's just record something. If you don't want it, I won't publish it. They, it was insane. It was impressive. And then they said, you told us that if we didn't want to publish it, we won't, we'd rather not publish it. So I didn't publish it. It was, it yeah. wasn't an, an interview. It was, but I, I get the, I get the level of difficulty. Here's what I, here's what I'm interested in. in this interview. Yep. I, I want to say that uh, I didn't talk about TopTal, but what's interesting about TopTal, what they did is, is actually amazing. Uh, um, TopTal has, has actually been on, on the market for many years. So um, mm -hmm. the, the company I talk about is a new, a new competitor. But what TopTal did is um, they, um, and uh, I might be, I'm, I might be, you know, uh, butchering it out a little bit, but what they did is they have a vetting process, several steps, uh, several, you know, levels of, of vetting, and they have their engineers to build the supply. So they have freelancers who bring more, more freelancers, and they have freelancers who actually test other freelancers. So they're like an, an unstoppable machine in this. And uh, that is amazing. Uh, where with you, you have to do a lot of the testing to make sure that the developers who are on your platform are s as strong as you need them to be. Is that right? Um, we're targeting a little bit different type of developers. Um, and um, we also, you know, we also uh, delegate some of the vetting to, uh, to, to, to our freelancers and our network. Just they were pioneers in this, and I think this is a pretty amazing. Okay, I want to find out how you 
I want to find out about the businesses you started before that failed and understand why they failed. I want to find out how you launched this and made it work. Um, especially considering that there had been other people in this market. And here you come in and say, I'll help you find developers. I'll manage a relationship. And then I'm also curious about whether this can be transported into other areas. Like can somebody who's listening to us say, I like what Alexander's done. I want to do the no-code developer managed marketplace, or I want to do the um, a marketplace like yours for professionals, but different types of professionals. And I'm curious about what you think would apply from what you've done to other types of marketplaces. And if you think there are other topics that are worth uh, pursuing, but this whole idea came to you because you went to a meetup and somebody said, you're from the Ukraine. You must know developer. Am I right? Right. And so what was, what was it that you did? Tell me about that. It's a funny thing that you said that you're from Ukraine and, uh, uh, do you know developers? I was once in uh, in someone's home, and uh, there was an American who came to me and said, "Oh, you're from you're from Ukraine. Do you know Alex from Belarus?" <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like one billion Alexes over here. Yeah, uh, that's true. Uh, someone came to me and they said, "Can I can I help them find a developer?" And they struggled with engineers before um, they were hiring off Upwork, and they were like always unreliable, always unavailable. And it took a lot of time for them to find. So I found them a developer because I had someone in network within you know one or two days, and they were so amazed with the work they'd done. They referred everyone to me. Um, how did you How did you find them a developer? Yeah, I've been um, I've been in outsourcing for a little bit, um, and uh, I've, I've been in marketing outsourcing before, but I knew a few developers from net, my network. This is how I actually I built my network. I'm, I, I was not a tech co-founder. I'm not, I was not a tech founder and I didn't, I'm not an engineer. So I, I didn't know how to actually vet them. So my vetting process at the beginning was, you know, fake it until you make it. So I had people I trusted, I worked before, and then I had them to bring me more people and I had them to bring me more people. So and, until I, I had someone to help me to vet developers, I relied on my network. But it was, was it a favor that you were doing for this woman who you met at the meetup? Oh, she paid me. She paid you. She said, if you can find me a developer, I'll pay you. You said, all right, I'll go figure out how to do it because you didn't have a job at the time. And you thought, I get this matchmaking thing. I could do it. Yeah, I, I did have a job, but Israel is so expensive. So <laughs> uh, what was the job that yeah. you had in Israel at the time? I, I was I was doing sales for an outsourcing company in Ukraine. And that they were doing, um, what was it that they were outsourcing? They they were doing the they were doing engineering outsourcing, but um, huh. they didn't do like freelancing. You know, what one 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 time jobs thing. They had like larger contracts, so it helped them find um, find more um, bigger contracts here in Israel. Uh, got it. Yeah. So you were in, there in Israel. So you were in Israel. You said it's expensive here. I make a little money on the side helping her out, and then your eyes open up to the possibility of doing this on a bigger scale. How do you get your next customer? So she brought me, I think, like 10 next customers who brought me another few customers. That it was because there's such a big demand for developers, and especially then the fact that you knew how to find one in Ukraine where it's less expensive than in the US or in Israel made you somebody that was worth referring new business to. Yes. And um, they 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 were all um, small agencies, like one 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 person agencies. And because they had to report to their clients. They need someone really re- reliable. And 
all of them had bad experiences before. And like, you know, whenever they worked without my, my engineers, um, they, they were just shocked that it's so fast, reliable and in time. All right. So Alexander, the hardest part then is finding more developers. You found one. How did you find the others for the people who she referred to you? Yes. So as I told you, I, I knew a couple that I made them to bring me more people. <laughs> oh, you you said, I need you to go find more people like you. Yes. And developers I need, I obviously know other developers. For, for reliable engineers who you, can, uh, who you can rely on. And they brought me more and they brought me more. And then I asked other engineers to vet engineers for me. Okay. And since you didn't know them, you started asking other engineers, go sit down with these people. Do you, did they make sense? You started referring over. One of the hardest parts of a business like that is people want to cut you out, right? Were you making money just for the introduction or making money on an ongoing basis? I was making money on an ongoing basis, but for them, first of all, I, my, um, for, for them, the value at that time was so big that they didn't even think about it. That they weren't trying to cut you out because they just needed a developer anyway. Right. So but at that time, like Lemon.io is 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 um is a little bit different business that I ran at the beginning. At the beginning, I, it was even more managed because they were they, the 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 people are coming to me for, to me to to do like very small projects, like I don't know, twenty hours project or one even one hour project. So they needed some support um, to. To, to help to help them manage those developers like because they need someone to do the task overnight or like in two days so they need some layer some some layer of support from us that's uh, why for them at the moment there was no need to cut us out there were a couple of you know a couple of clients who did it uh but it was totally like two or three years of uh of uh of our business so yeah not not a lot of people tried to cut us out at that point how long were you able to make it to keep going like this before the money became significant? Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't think of this as a business. Um, it's just it was a side hustle, and it was not significant. I think I made um, um, like a couple of thousands of dollars um, per month. But when it started growing, I, I First of all, I decided to bring in uh, a co-founder, a friend of mine, who I knew already for like eight years. And I, I, I wanted a co-founder, I didn't want to do it myself. So I thought like, I, I made really bad mistakes of uh, co-founders before. So I think like, who's the smartest person I trust out there? And I found him, uh, Vasil, he became my co-founder like a few months after that. We, we started working like on a project basis, like he even helped me pro bono at the beginning. Um, but yeah, I brought in co-founder and then I quit my job uh, to, to do this full time. What was his part? What was his responsibility in the business? Uh, operations. He's very good with operations and finance. And then still I hate finances. I hate like legal stuff, operations. And he, he's, he's really amazing at that. The operations meaning like systemize the way that you interact with your developers or what? Um, Sales process? No, 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 sales marketing is mine. And I'm, uh, as he said, like, I'm more um, um, like a, I don't know, tank that just goes. And he's like more like, okay, let's step, step do a step step back and like think like if we did anything. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> we're like balance each other out. Um, but he was more working mostly with finances, you know, payouts, 
uh, figuring out like the legal stuff and like how to incorporate and pay taxes and all the things I, I, I don't want to touch. Hmm. You guys incorporated in the U.S.? Yes, yes. What did you Delaware. use for that? Stripe. We were one of the first companies who used Stripe Atlas. Um, and it was amazing. I thought it was fraud, actually, because they're like, okay, there is a program. Uh, it's actually $500, but we're going to do this for free. The, the first badge they did for free. And it took them, I think, like one week to do that. It was like, I think something is up over here. <laughs> and I, I mean, I knew there's Stripe. I knew that it's a big company. And uh, I didn't know like what to expect. Maybe they're going to, you know, at the end, they're going to show us the contract that we have to use them forever. Right. They, they didn't even mention that we have to use them. And there was also one guy who was like, you know, and knocking in my email, like, how can we help? What, what else can we do for you? <laughs> Oral, resources. I was like, what's going on? Because their but, whole yeah, idea is they, they will incorporate companies that are outside the U.S. in Delaware, 500 bucks, all done, right? All done. And then legal don't... Stuff, uh, legal stuff, bank account, in SVB, um, you know, incorporation, everything, and a lot of help. That's phenomenal. That's phenomenal. Okay. That's phenomenal. I mean, we've used them already for, um, I think, four years. And I think we paid like maybe 100x in fees. But, um, you Wait, know, 100x that, in fees? Yeah. We, you know, they make fees from credit card um, processing. Card processing. So from. Do you, use, do you use credit card processing for the people that you, that you, uh, that you place? Yeah, a lot. I don't, you know what? We cut that out. We saved so much freaking money. Like you said, it costs a lot of money. What I decided to do is just go into the invoicing software and disable credit cards and nobody gives a rat's ass. They all use ACH anyway. Yeah, but for us, um, actual credit card is better. I know it's more expensive, but because we have so many ongoing projects and we don't want to scale headcount. So for us, it's much easier to pay uh, three something percent for their fees and just not worry about recurring, you know, reminding people to pay, to pay, to pay all the time. I don't think you have to, I, I could be wrong, but when I was working with Indonero to have them do my books, they had me sign something and then they would just take the money out of my account, which was shocking, but also shockingly pleasant. I didn't know about that. That's interesting. Yeah, no, you can, you can do ongoing payments. I, I wonder if you could do it in an automated way, but I wouldn't have cared, but it turned out that it was like tens of thousands of dollars on credit card processing. And I said, wherever we can cut it, let's cut it out. Right? Yeah. Not at the moment. It's very comfortable for us. Uh, we want clients to be able to pay, you know, whatever is comfortable for them. And this is like part of our added value. We just cut everything, you know, all this like paying overseas and like making, dealing with like local laws and everything. We just cut it out from them. They don't have to deal with that. So mm. if someone wants to pay me a credit card, I think I can look it up, but I think like at it's least- like two and It's 2.3% or something. No, it's, it's, it's more because it more there are some national payments and uh, it's more. Okay. I think it's uh, 2.9, but it's more for like, for some other stuff. Yeah. I think what the problem that we had was invoice software charged even more like fresh books would charge more and then they'd have caps and it was yeah we yeah. at some point if we are large enough i think we can build our own, own processing but at this time stripe has been great and it was like really easy to deal with like with disputes or something they were amazing hmm. 
All right. And so you, and to be you, honest, like until, until even now, like we, we're going to change, we're changing, like rebuilding our software, but a, a lot of, a lot of like our billing features were actually Stripe's billing features. So we don't, we didn't even build much. So we use their software. I do love them so much. I, I didn't want to switch over to them. And then Patrick in an interview here uh, said, why not? I told him why. And then after the interview was done, he hooked me up with someone on his team. He said, we could, we could help you out. I said, the founder of Stripe cares that much about helping me switch over. I paid attention and I was glad that I did. They're They're so good. The the company is so amazing. I mean, yeah. they, you know, the, that they are um, very developer centric and yeah. the thing that they've, they've uh, you've seen they've, they've, they've bought um, Indie Hackers. Yeah. I don't, I don't know where, where the Stripe logo is on Indie Hackers. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, they just care about like, and Stripe Atlas, they never asked us to use the Stripe Atlas. They are such a, they're a great phenomenal company, yeah. unreal. Um, all right. So now you had a business partner, you had a business up and running together, you knew what you needed to do, and it's time to start bringing in some real customers on an ongoing basis, right? What's the yeah. first bit of marketing that you did beyond reaching out to people? So um, at some point, we built so many referrals that we actually stopped worrying about demand and we just started stagnating. Um, we couldn't figure out we we didn't we didn't think much about sales. Like we started bringing some clients. I was in a few communities and we got sales from there. But I didn't do real marketing until uh, until two years ago. We were very so, stagnating. We didn't grow much. Um, it was pretty sad. What do you mean by stagnating? Stagnating is then you we weren't doing much to bring in new customers. Yeah, we didn't. We we're, were not doing. We were worrying about something else. I think we we're just um, stupid. <laughs> like what? What were we worried about? I don't know. We were like doing some trips, uh, going to some um, um, conferences. Uh, you know, we we didn't think like real growth. We were like we we're very relaxed because we had our salaries, and uh, um, I, I don't, I don't think we were happy where we were. But we didn't we didn't we didn't have have this growth um, mindset as we have right now. Where did this come from? Because you do seem like somebody who's just really anxious to make it. Yeah, uh, at that time I was not. Where did this come why. from? I don't know. I, to be um, honest, I don't know. We even uh, we even raised some uh, very little angel money that we gave up like a big chunk of the company. Uh, we gave up seventeen percent for sixty um, k, um, and like I don't know. I'm looking retrospective to what happened. It's it's really hard to say. Like you sometimes you just get into this operation stuff uh, and like um, very, um, you don't see that you're not growing. Like we thought we were growing, but at the, in, in reality, we didn't do anything to actually grow. Like we didn't hire right people. We didn't, um, yeah, we didn't do marketing. All right, let me talk about my first sponsor. It's Rippling for paying people. I have had, a. it's been a pain in the butt to pay people both employees and contractors. I've dealt with just about every agency out there. I feel like actually they're not that many, but I work with them. I switched to Rippling. I'm going to tell you why, Alexander. I don't know if it makes sense for you as a company that's not based. You are based in the US. What do you guys use? Even if it's a competitor, you can talk about it to pay people. um, The majority of of our people are in Ukraine. So they're contractors and we just pay 
directly to them, to their accounts. Oh, wow. You could just do that. All right. Here we have to, if we're, if we're working with contractors, of course you want to have an agreement and then you mean means agreement and software, which means you need to remember which folder in Google drive you save the agreement and everyone's in a different place. That was a pain. Then you pay people. Do they want checks? Some people want checks. Who the hell wants a freaking check? They want checks and I have to manage where the checks go. Don't tell me, tell software, but you know, it was on me at times. Then they have a bank account and they need to switch the bank account and all this stuff has to happen. Then you hire somebody and there are all these questions about what's legal, what's not, how do you do this, how do you do that? The thing I like about Rippling, they handle it all. You want to have somebody sign an agreement? Great. It's in the it's in the software. As soon as you onboard them, they sign the agreement right there. You want to get their bank information? Goes just goes right into Rippling. You decide when you hire them. Are they W-2? Are they 1099? You just tell the system. The system handles the freaking thing. And then you say what software they want. You just check off all these boxes. And then as soon as they sign up to work with you, they sign the contract in Rippling. It's available to me forever and anyone else on the team who needs it in Rippling. They get to decide where the money goes and they get to adjust it without telling me. They get to see all the software that we have access to. And with one click, they could log into the software that we have access to. They get their email address all done by Rippling, not me. And then throughout, they get to see how much money they were paid. They get to see when they get paid. It's a freaking dream. They get to see the apps we have so they're not double buying apps. That alone is probably going to save us more money than we're saving on Rippling. I got to believe Rippling is losing money on customers like me and its investors who are making it uh, like so freaking cheap to use them. It's phenomenal. If we want to send them a computer, I could send them a computer. Alexander, you're getting lit up by this, aren't you? Yeah, interesting. I mean, I, I was thinking like we're, we're thinking like doing hires in NES and just thought about like all this pain you have to go through like payroll. And if you're in one yep. state, you've been pleased in another state. I think it's like it's, it's, it's amazing if someone just can check the box for you. Truthfully, if you just want Rippling to hire your employees and then you use them through Rippling, let them deal with all the legal issues. They'll do that, too. All right. You mean like you hire them as contractors? Yeah, what that... is it called? I forget. Is it, uh, I, I don't have the exact, uh, this is where I should have it actually in my notes. It's, you know, where they, they used to call it employee leasing, where a company will hire your team for you. Right. That way they deal with all the legal issues and all the payroll. You just pay them, they pay your people, right? But your people work yeah. for you as full. Somebody's screaming at their earphones right now saying, Andrew, here's the answer. I forget what it's called, but who cares? They do it for you. Here's the deal. Don't look to me to give you answers on how to do this. Don't even trust me when I tell you, go use Rippling. I'm telling you, I love Rippling. What I'm going to suggest to you, Alexander, and everyone else who's listening, go talk to Rippling. Have a list of all the things you imagine that you need in this payroll. Have the list of all the issues you've ever had before. And then if you go to rippling.com slash Mixergy, they'll have a person just walk you through their software, do a demo for you. You see how it works and you go, why wasn't this invented before? Or maybe you say what I said, which is, how the hell did they get this disorganized? This, this is a really tough process. We're talking about states all, all over the all over the country. I have one person works internationally. I couldn't pay him. It was so embarrassing. I had to pay him by PayPal because there's no way to pay people internationally. Rippling lets me pay people internationally. No headache. PayPal is like a, it's a sad way to pay somebody who works for you. And a lot of countries don't, don't accept PayPal. I didn't even think of that. And, and then the, the sad thing about PayPal is there's the... Um, and this is a minor issue, but I don't want to embarrass myself when I pay somebody internationally, a contractor, because that's the only way they could get paid. Let, let it be Rippling's headache. headache. They'll make it easy. But with them, it was, I had to convert the money into his currency. PayPal didn't have a really good currency exchange. And so I would pay a little bit extra. And then PayPal took a fee from him. And he said, would you do it as friends and family? I go, no, can I just do it regular? But I'll pay the extra. So I figure out what the fees are and I paid it. 
And then, and this is by the way, a whacked out situation, 1099s every year, not whacked out. That is a headache I had to deal with. Anyway, rippling, listen to me, people rippling.com slash mixer G Alexander. Stop paying attention to me. He's going right. Are you right now on rippling? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Go, go do yourself a favor. You're going to love this. Go look at the news on rippling and you're going to see who they are. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't, I just yelled into the freaking microphone. Um, now to be honest, the, the, some of the things that I talked about are additional features. It's still super freaking cheap. It costs me, I think more uh, for just about every software that we hire per seat than it does for rippling. All right. Rippling.com slash Mixergy. Um, you, you, um, you and I were talking about how you had a couple of businesses before. One of the things I imagine that you wanted out of this was like, to not repeat the failure that you had before. One of the, one of the failures that you had before is you had an, you were, what was it? It was a search engine mark. No, what was it? What was no, no, the first I, business I, I, that you had? Yeah, I, I had a first time I tried to build a classified, um, that, ah, right, right, off. right. Yeah, it was a time like everyone was, was building classified and I was um, I was just um, not very attentive to details. And uh, actually I spent a bunch of money on, oh, as a non-technical co-founder, I, I got screwed twice. So the first time when I tried to build classified, like I spent a lot of money. I think I spent like uh, 20 grand on engineering that was in Ukraine in, uh, in 2011. It was like a fortune. You could buy an apartment for that money. You mean physically uh, buy an apartment? Seriously? Yes. Wow. You could buy an apartment. What was your idea there? Now. What was your idea for a classified site? What type of classified mm-hmm. site? So, um, yeah, I, I, I wanted to do something basic and I, I wanted to bring, I, I was I was more, um, I, it had more focus on products than companies. Uh, but I had an idea, but it was, it, was, it was not really good. And I never launched actually. So I spent all this money in engineering. There's wow. so many people who do this mistake. And I got a co-founder who had to do a lot of marketing, but at the end, he just didn't do much. And the second time when I tried to, a few years after I tried to build a second company that had to be in advertising on images, um, contextual advertising on images. And I found a co-founder, a person who I was, I gave them actually a 50% of stake and also I paid them salary. And still I get screwed up because, um, um, they just didn't didn't do their job. Like I did massive business development. I I went to all those meetings with major um, uh, ad companies who agreed to use our technology if we ever do this um, to to run uh, contextual advertising on on images. But at the end, he just never delivered and never said that there was a problem delivering this. He was just making a lot of freelance projects on the side, but. Um, at that time, I decided I'm not going to do any more co-founder thing until I'm sure what, what I'm doing first. And then like, I spend an, an, an enormous amount of time with, with, the, with the person I want to be partnered with. So as well as your current co-founder, right? Yes. So and I so, knew him already for eight years. I uh-huh. used to work with him in two different companies already. And I knew this person. He actually uh, lent me money for my first <laughs> attempt to build a company. And he was just a, this amazing person who I trusted a lot. We've been friends forever. And he was one of the smartest people I knew. So it was a good fit for us. 
and you were able to get him to feel comfortable with being a co-founder without paying him a salary and and so on the way that you did with your first one yeah. because you had traction and so there was something there that you were partnering up with him on yeah he worked at the beginning he did a lot of help pro bono and then we he we worked um i gave him a little bit salary and he worked uh, as an employee and then i said look we are doing this already for 3 months and this sounds like a great opportunity for both of us and we are a great fit. We can handle each other in even critical situations and let's do this. And he agreed and, you know, I, I couldn't be happier. Do you guys, um, did you have a vesting period with him or was it all in? Yes, yes, we did. You did, wow. All right. And so then you started to stagnate and in that stagnation period, you were doing personally a lot of the matchmaking, right? Emails would come to you. You would connect clients with developers you were working with. You were doing, I guess he was doing the the invoicing, right? But it was you who was doing a lot of the matchmaking um, and sales via email? In, in kind of, um, in, in, in a way. So at the beginning when I started, I, I didn't build anything. So I one of the things that I took from the other company, I'm not going to invest anything until I make money. <laughs> So when, when all those people came to me and looking for developers, I said, this is my email. I'm going to connect you via email and keep me in the copy. So I did this, I think, until maybe a few thousand dollars in GMV. When I saw some revenue, I said, okay, I'm going to invest this $500 in this um, uh, WordPress plugin um, that actually lived for a few years. <laughs> we used it for a few years. Um, and uh, I spent just another like couple of hundred dollars to modify it. So we had a ticketing system on WordPress where we connected engineers and developers. We had this pool of engineers who were available. We knew their availability. And I had like few people who did matching. So the cost, we wanted to build a um, Uber for, for web development projects. So the customer comes to our website, submits a project, a driver slash engineer picks it up yeah. and does it and delivers it. Um, this is what we did. What's a plugin? Plugin is this pre-built feature or set of features that you just press a button. Oh, no, no, I know what a plugin is. Do you, what's the name of this plugin that was able to help you do this so freaking well for 300 bucks? I don't remember. I just found it on the internet and I used it. It was so good. Uh, yeah. I love when I find the right tool like that, that does way more than it's, than you'd expect any software to do, you know, like you want, you want to code something for yourself and it turns out somebody created it and it's just perfect for you. And because it's WordPress, you can upgrade it and you can change it and all that. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And I, I found few things in my life that were so, you know, under underrated and uh, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. All right. And so you're doing all this uh, building up your business at some point you discovered Cora for marketing. How did you get into Cora? So I was looking to, you know, at some point I like woke up and like, we're not going, we have to do something. And um, I was in this marketing group on Facebook called um, BAM by Josh, Josh Fetcher or something. I don't remember his name actually, mm -hmm. but, um, and he spoke about different gross hacking, gross hacking. And one of the things was Cora. So I got into Cora. I went into Quora and uh, I did everything he said. I did it myself. I didn't have like any content team for, for, at that time. And in that year, we grew four, four times. What did he tell you to do on Quora, the question and answer site? So he, he said that go and find those questions where people are curious 
what are you know places to find engineers and they did it look at this you uh you still have it you you still have your profile on Cora. First of all, yeah. you, you look like a nice, uh, nice boy here. And then it says CEO of codingninjas.co. It does. So <laughs> that's what the company was called at the time. Yeah, I, we didn't, we, since then we didn't touch much Quora. Um, at, at, for a long period of time, it was, it was uh, one of, you know, I think it, it brought us, I might be mistaken, but something around like 80% of, of new, new revenue. Mm-hmm. Um, so we started to work on other channels and at some point just quite, you know, became significant for us. Your second most popular one, uh, second most popular question there is who are top Tal's competitors? Yeah. 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 And, um, and you start out by saying how impressive they are and how good they are. And then you talk about how to find the, uh, the right per the right company. And at some point you bring yourself into the conversation and you say, one of the, it's actually a good lesson for like early stage founders. Uh, Mm -hmm. When you're trying to do marketing at the beginning, you don't have large, large budgets Um, targeting people who are looking for alternatives to to your competitors is is a really great way because those people are already on the stage of awareness that they know that the problem they have, they know types of solutions they know they have, they know actually companies who are good in this and they're just looking for, for alternatives for some reason, you know, maybe looking for someone cheaper or someone faster or someone, I don't know, like something they, they need to change one thing. And if you fit in to the thing they want to change, like you're cheaper or you're faster or you're, I don't know, brighter or more reliable, um, y- you're going to win. Um, and uh, it's a good tactic for like early stage startups to bring um, leads. And this was you writing it because these are pretty detailed answers that you're offering a lot of charts and screenshots. Was it you writing? Yeah. I'm sorry. You broke oh, down. For sorry. Was it you writing all this? Yeah. At the beginning I was writing all this. Just sitting down, writing, cranking it out and you're a good writer. All right. So uh, I started writing this and it brought us a lot of, uh, a lot of new clients and, uh, and we got enough money to hire more people. I hired a really good, um, copywriter mm. that she's right now a CMO of our company. And um, yeah, it, it was really good year for us. Why'd you change the name from Coding Ninjas to, uh, to Lemon.io? So because um, because um, Quora and other channels have helped us bring more clients, we figure out that um, the Coding Ninjas model is not scalable and we couldn't do it in scale because, because of the, all the projects were so small and a lot of websites were actually broken. And sometimes like engineers would do something uh, and they would break something else, not because they're bad engineers, just because, you know, companies will come uh, or people will come with the old websites, you know, with a bunch of plugins and the, the quality of those websites would not, would not be good. Uh, so to do it on scale, we'd have to have a, a lot of people in support and we didn't want to do this. It's not, it's scalable, but it's not, it's not as interesting. So at the same time, we had more projects that came from uh, startups who are looking for part-time or full-time developers. Uh, and um, I tried to actually fight the pivot, but the same, uh, at some point we saw that like 90% of revenue comes from those clients. So we decided to change. Um, Coding Ninjas was not a great name or brand for that. So we decided to, to do a rebranding. Yeah, I like Lemon IO too. Um, I'd be a little concerned though naming my company Lemon. Lemon is something that doesn't work. 
It, it, yeah, for, for a car, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we had this concern, but I think our brand is much stronger than that association. Let me take a moment to talk about my second sponsor. Then I want to come back and talk about one of the challenges, which is churn. The nice thing about your business is you get a, you get a customer and they, they're with you month after month unless they cancel. And so you're dealing with a lot of churn issues. Why are you looking at me like that? Isn't that a, wasn't that an issue at one point? It is an issue. And we are like in the middle of figuring out churn. Ah, okay. All right, good. So it's a pain that I saw in your face. I thought you were like, what are you talking about, Andrew? All right. My second sponsor is Wholeskater. I, I want to riff with you, Alexander, about this. If somebody's listening to us and says, you know what? I want to create a marketplace like this. First of all, do you have like a, a type of professional that you'd recommend that we consider creating a marketplace for the way that you created one for engineers on Lemon? Um, I wouldn't know. I don't, I, work, I don't work with engineers as much, but we have a lot of developers who have you know, some niche experience like, um, I don't know, health, in, health insurance, for example, or marketplace. Ooh, I wasn't even thinking. I would say, what would I would say, maybe even like personal trainers who'd work with you via Zoom is kind of interesting. Maybe I don't know. A natural next one is to do no code developers. You know, there's some no code platforms that are just really good. I could understand it enough to build it, but it would take me 80 hours, 40 hours of creating, say, a good CRM out of Coda or something, right? Probably more than 80 hours to do that. But then once I had it, it would be perfect for my team. I don't want to do it. I'd rather just find someone who's in love with Coda and love with Notion and love with Bubble, whatever the tool is, who just create it for me and then make it easier for someone else to take on. To find those developers, instead of going into each one of these platforms, I want one platform where I can go and find these no-code developers where they where someone can help understand my needs. And then maybe I come in saying it needs to be Notion. And they say, actually, we think Coda is going to do a better job of what you're looking for. Here's an engineer that would do that for you. And you can have an ongoing maintenance relationship without hiring them full-time. What do you think of that? Is that, is that the business that somebody should, should be copying and creating? It Does it exist? No, it exists. The, the marketplace for no-code developers exists. Who, who's got that? I, I don't remember the name, but... All right. I, there you go. What they need to do is copy your prof, your way of getting the, um, attention. You were not the first person in this space. Yeah, They could do that. Now, whether it's this idea or something else, let me say this, Alexander, it doesn't matter. What I'm trying to do is get people to think about new ideas and go to hostgator.com slash Mixergy to launch them. If you see that this exists, great. Whatever the next thing is, it will need a marketplace of people to hire. And this approach that you've got, I think is a good one to copy. What do you think? Yeah, it's a great, it's a, it's a, it's a growing trend and uh, it, it will grow more. And I think it's, it's a great business. And even though there are competitors, people, you know, the companies like that exist, you know, people still should do that if they have network and they have knowledge. Basically what we need to think about is for every remote, and I think this works especially well for remote, but it would work for local also. But for every remote new skill, there should be a managed marketplace like yours yeah. that um, that just basically copies your model, right? Yeah. And there are very a lot of like niche marketplaces, like marketplace for Shopify developers or WordPress developers or right. no-code developers. Right, right, right. I did notice that too, that whenever there's new software that just grows, especially with enterprise, there's a marketplace of developers who build on that, right? Salesforce is a good example. People don't install Salesforce without hiring somebody yeah, to Salesforce. manage it for them. But even smaller, like when Notion became popular, 
there was all those launches on product hunt of notion uh, templates or notion this and notion that so right. I, but I, I don't see a lot of Notion marketplaces to hire somebody to just build this thing for me in Notion, yeah. right? And truthfully, yeah, yeah. I think but as we stand today, the problem with with it with that idea as we stand today, it's March 2021, is there's no easy way to get data in and out of Notion. And so businesses aren't going to invest money in creating something for Notion, but that's coming soon. I've seen that they're getting close to that. And I think somebody should copy that, create the Notion marketplace of of professionals. All right. Listen to me, people. If you want to take that idea or any other idea and you need a website to host your business, a website to promote your business, a website to interact with your customers, a website to find some $300 WordPress plugin the way that Alexander did that will basically run your business. If you need all that, just go to hostgator.com slash Mixergy. When you use that URL, they give you their lowest possible price. They take great care of you because you come from Mixergy. And frankly, you give me credit for sending you over and I appreciate it. Hostgator.com slash Mixergy. I'm and they have a them. fun brand. They do have a good brand, right? Yeah, it's fun. I love when 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 companies do fun brand because you know when you're coding ninjas, <laughs> it's it's so sad. But when you become become something fun, like hostgator, I don't know, like Mailchimp. Mailchimp is a lot of fun. Uh, or lemon. You guys nailed it. You know what I like about you? You guys use, you use the word bullshit on your site in your copy. There's a nice design on there. I think the cartoon that represents you has got a yarmulke on it in like yeah. neon green, right? Yeah, we did a lot. We do we we do a lot about branding, and we're gonna do more right now. Uh, we we even have a fairy tale about our brand persona. If you is go he, to the about page, it has a real fairy tale about the person. I'm on, I'm on your about page right now. It's Oh, no, I was a moment ago. It seems ridiculous when I say it, but I think once people see the page right right away, they get a sense of it. It, it looks really cool. Um, let's yeah, talk about churn. Very important. And uh, I'm even creating a small free mini course soon. I hope I'm going to get it. Maybe half of it today that we'll talk about branding because for early stage startups, you have to spend like you have to spend some time on branding and it will play a large, large how would you get to this branding i i don't even know how to describe it it's but it, it's got a really good fun vibe to it how do you get to it so we spent um we spent we, we took a framework of brainstorming and uh, brainstorming and um, we just set on it and we just we imagined how we see our brand persona and our audience persona and uh, we just imagine like what kind of people want to work with, what kind of people, we, how com- we want to communicate with them. And in very little detail, like what is their, uh, how do they get to work? Like, what do they talk about? What are the girlfriend's name and what kind of dog or cat they have? And where do we even have fake interviews with those people? We and, have a. And, yeah. and it's, it's you based on your experience talking to real customers doing that, or it's an imagination of the type of person you'd like to find? 50-50. So okay. there is some real info, mm-hmm. some real understanding of the existing, you know, existing audience, but also like the, the, the brand is fun because we imagine like, how do we want to address them? And, you know, what kind of relationship we want to have with them? And this is how, so you know, you, you see like on the, on the, on the design, you see like the sculpting theme that, you know, we're kind of cult and this yes. is how we want to talk to our cut. This is how we imagine our relationship between us and the customer and also between us and the and engineers. 
So this tight relationship is kind of cult, and this is you know where it comes from. All right, and so what's tell me a little bit about your customer? What's the how would you describe them? Oh, we could we could talk hours about this, but in general, we're um, um, our customer is uh, a uh, early stage entrepreneur. Um, usually, it's a technical person uh, who is uh, building a startup, <laughs> a tech startup. And so because they're building a tech startup, they would, for example, care about how you're on the road to $10 million in sales, where for other industries, it would be off-putting to do that. In your industry- They are the same. They, they, they are looking to, they're very early stage. Uh, so some, in most cases, they are trying to delegate some work they already do. For example, mm-hmm. he's a backend developer and he, he or she hates to do the front end. So they were looking for developers to delegate front end work. And also at the same time, them and their co-founders trying to find the ways to grow or figure out, you know, hiring or figure out marketing. Uh, and because we share so much, it resonates with so many people um, and they, they love it because they right now actually figure out first hires. And I talk a lot about hiring or they figure out like first marketing or I don't know, like to work with agency or not. I, I shared a lot about our experience working with agencies. Talk to me about um, about churn. That's a big issue. But the big issue is not uh, it, churn is big issue, but the biggest even biggest issue that we didn't figure out our um, our metrics like churn. So we don't know our churn. We don't know the numbers. It's, oh, you it's don't know it even basic. now. Yes, we don't know, uh, and uh, we, we ignored uh, like um, uh, LTV metrics or churn metrics for so so much so much time that right now we're training to figure this out as soon as possible because right now we have to actually make the economics work because we're invest, investing a lot in, uh, in growth and uh, in teams. So we need to understand those. Yeah. I, I, at the moment of figuring this out, we have to pull a lot of data to, to figure this out, but right now it's a, it's a problem. Ordinarily, I'd say you could just go to bare metrics or profit well, just connect your Stripe account and they'd get you data. But your, your business is different because people aren't paying the same amount month to month, right? They're, Yes, and it's it, because it's a marketplace. It's a little more complex, and because we're a marketplace, uh, Stripe that data doesn't say much um, because clients can pay right now, but the actual GMV would be different. Um, GMV is something that people have used. Um, for us, GMV is an amount of time um, that developers contributed to clients' projects multiplied by the, the rate of development, the, the cost of development. Uh, so the customer could pay us, I don't know, uh, 10K, but this 10K could go for a few months of work, right? Or this 10K could cover last month uh, negative balance. So it's more complicated for us, plus some clients pause their development and we have to figure out a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff over here. And so you... You're now at a place where you've got this marketplace for the most part working. Churn is going to be something you need to figure out based on what's worked for you. If somebody wants to get into this type of space, what advice do you have for creating one of these managed marketplaces? Yeah, go niche, go um, go very narrow, narrow niche. We uh-huh. went to early stage startups. Like we don't work with companies for 
bigger. We don't work with the enterprise. Usually when enterprise comes to us, we say, I'm sorry, we cannot do that. There was only one company that is a small part of enterprise and they actually begged us to work with them. So they helped us to go through all the processes of you know enterprise hiring that is actually a nightmare. But uh, yeah, we, we usually work with small companies. So we went niche in this, but you could go niche by technology or for example, no-code tools or even more niche. The more niche you go, uh, the better chances you have to win. And so how did you pick this niche? This niche just came to you because that's who you started working with and who you knew. Because we love this type of customers. We wanted, uh, we have this design, this brand and, you know, all this language just because we want to talk to those customers and we want to talk to them and work with them. We love them. We have so much, you know, we enjoy working with them and delivering to them. And also they get so much value from us, much more value than Microsoft would come to us. Um, we, we more fond of delivering to the, those clients. Yeah, I do love the startup customer base. And I feel like a lot of us are going after the startup customer base because we're startups, because we love them, because we get fired yeah. up by them. They get fired up by us. And I wonder what we're missing out on because we're so focused on our own, you know, our own universe. 100%. When I used to be in the online greeting card business, what I loved about it was I could always leave my business at the end of the day. I didn't have a lot of friends who sent online greeting cards or any greeting cards at all, right? Yeah. So I could deal with the online greeting card people's problems during the day and then at night just go, who cares? There's no, there's, there's no judgment. There's no connection. I yeah. could totally, totally move on with my life. And here it's really hard. Everybody's, everyone I know is an entrepreneur. Everyone I work with is an entrepreneur. Everyone in my neighborhood is an entrepreneur. And sometimes it feels like it's a little, it's a little much. Look, I have my personal life. I have like wife and two kids. They, they don't care about uh, entrepreneurship. <laughs> they don't care about startups. But at work, I actually enjoy... One of the reasons I'm a little bit... I'm not succeeding yet on, on Twitter or on, on with a personal brand. But one of the reasons I'm actually getting some attention because I actually care about everything. I care about their pains. Like every, yeah. almost every person who, who tweets uh, at me or you know sends a DM or an email gets an answer from me because I really care about the problems. I really want to help because I was struggling about this for so long, you know, for so long and I figured some things out. So with the things I already figured out, I want to help. You, you just mentioned Twitter. Before we started, you said that I told you about a couple of tweets that I liked of yours that I saved. And you said, I'm getting help from like, or I talked to Sean Puri's mastermind. What is you're in his mastermind? I didn't even know he had a mastermind. He had a mastermind for uh, for a few months, um, and um, he's the he investor just, uh, who, who launched. Uh, I forget what it was. It was one of these video um, uh, chat services that eventually sold to Twitch. Now he does a bunch of investments on his own rolling fund. Just yeah, great guy. Something. He was, uh, you know, I love his pod um, called My First Million, and he had a group for this pod, and like he just. Posted that he is he's trying to do create a mastermind group and I you know I didn't even know what he wants to do I just said I want to do this mm -hmm. uh, so I got into this group amazing group uh, except Sean it was you know uh, six amazing entrepreneurs who I learned a lot from and uh, you know at at mastermind group you come and you know with your problems and that's at that time I was trying to figure out demand and I was like crying like you know what are we gonna do like give me, help help me brainstorm. And they said, do the, do the, do the, you know, building public, do the, do the newsletter or Twitter. Ah. Um, I didn't listen about Twitter at that time. I, I started a newsletter 
But, um, you know, in a few months, I started doing Twitter and it's just magic, especially for this type of customers. For this type of audience, like tech, Twitter is huge. And everyone who, who is trying to target um, tech uh, world, they have to be on Twitter. And so the building in public that you'd now do on your Substack newsletter and in Twitter, and I guess you do it on LinkedIn too, but I'm not on there much. That is, that's all because of this Sean mastermind. Yeah, he advised. And um, there was another guy, um, uh, Ben Levy, who, who advised. And uh, yeah, I did it. Isn't it weird though that everyone knows your numbers and then no, it's not right. It probably is weird for a few minutes and then you you like it. I mean, th- there are probably ways um, you know that this can hurt you, but um, I-, I think the upside is is much bigger. And to be honest, if I shut up tomorrow and stop talking about this, people will just forget about this. <laughs> You're, I'm, I'm not that important that people remember my numbers. You know, within like two minutes after they, they read it. So once I was in the meeting um, with, uh, with a partner from Firehouse Startups, and I was like, look, I don't know what to do if we, go, we have to go with transactional business or like this, you know, pivot to, to, to working with startups. And it's like, you know, try either. If you're going to fail, just try another thing. Like no one gives a shit about you. And this <laughs> is like this phrase, you know, that no one gives a shit about you. is like in my mind all the time. I don't think you can do anything that and unless you you you're making fraud or you know you're a bad actor or doing something really stupid like I don't know, killing people, people would forget about you. Uh, you know, next day there are so many topics that raise and fall on Twitter. Like today, everyone is talking about Clubhouse. Uh, tomorrow is everyone talking about the the GameStop. And like the next day, no one cares about GameStop anymore. <laughs> like, and you are you know one thousand times less important so people forget people don't care all right the website is lemon.io how about this if anyone's listening and they want to work with you um how about we just connect them to you is there a way for them to talk to you and have you even introduce them to somebody yeah on- you can uh, you can dm me on twitter i'm at boladaric uh and also my email is a at lemon.io and uh, <laughs> I like that. I like that email a as lot. As the first person and also the first name of my my, my name. Uh, yeah, email me uh, and forget about hiring engineers. Like if you have any questions about like startups or uh, if you have any problems uh, with, uh, you know, doing something in your company uh, and something that I can help with uh, any advice. If I, right. if, I, if I don't know, I will just say, I, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry, I don't know. But if I know, I'll be happy to help. And even if they have a question about hiring engineers from somewhere else, you're cool with getting the question. Yeah. Yeah. Anything. Cool. All right. It's a at lemon.io. And I want to thank the two sponsors who made this interview happen. The first, if you're paying people, you need good software to make it easier for you and for them. That's why I like Rippling. I signed up for Rippling. I'm very happy with them. Frankly, I don't really spend much time thinking about them. It just freaking works. It's rippling.com slash Mixergy. And if you need a website built, maybe you're going to copy Alexander's idea, bring it to a different industry, go to a different niche. I don't know what it is, but whatever your business is, when you need a website, go to hostgator.com slash Mixergy. You'll get great service from a company you can count on, been there. And frankly, if you use my URL, I'll be there to make sure that you get great service from the company that gives me great service. I'm happy to be a customer of theirs and I'm happy to stand by all of my listeners. Thank you, HostGator. HostGator.com slash Mixergy. Alexander, congratulations. You're going to go to bed now, right? What time is it where you are? 
I'm gonna work now. <laughs> it's really? uh, almost two two a.m. But I have to. I, I have committed to do uh, a few more few more things, so I have to do that. Damn, dude! What hours do you keep? No, I don't. I don't work that late usually, but today I, I need to finish this. <laughs> all right. Thanks for spending the hour with me. Thank you all for listening, and bye, everyone.